Good morning, church. Here we are for our second Sunday of virtual church. I can't even tell you how much I'd rather be with you in person, looking you in the eye, giving you a hug, a handshake. But it is good to stay connected. It's been great to get updates from you throughout the week and to be praying for you. Fortunately, no members of Warehouse have yet tested positive of the virus. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I know some of you are beginning to have friends or family who have tested positive or who are waiting on results. And so please keep us updated. We love to be praying for you and following you along in that journey from day to day. Um, in the meantime, we're doing lots of things to stay connected. One, we're doing this Facebook Live thing every day at 2.42. We're connecting. Mike has done a great job kicking us off this week with scripture meditation and prayer and pastoral guidance. Um, we sent out this care and connection form as well, which is really our desire to know how to care for you in this time. If you have a prayer request, if you have a, a pastoral care need, if you want to join a virtual group, we'd love to know and get you connected uh, in that way. And then um, for kids and families, Lori and Heather have sent out an awesome resource on Friday, something they're going to do every week while we're in uh, this mode, while we're operating in this way. And as we go through, all of the links to those resources are available now on our website. If you go to our homepage, there's a button there that says COVID-19 response. Click through there to a page and you can find the Facebook Live links, uh, the resources for kids and families, the community care uh, response sheet and all the rest. Um, <clears throat> and then in terms of engaging with our neighbors, I am, I'm really thrilled that our building is being used as a donation drop-off site for supplies for families at Ashley Park pre-K through 8. Um, this is a, a wonderful partnership that goes back uh, many, many years, and it's great that we can be uh, supplying these essential supplies for them. Um, you can go to the Amazon wish list and order supplies to be delivered here, uh, which, again, you can access that link through the COVID-19 response button on our website. Otherwise, you can buy the supplies yourselves. You can drop them off here at Warehouse between 9 and 12, Tuesday through Saturday. Well, despite all of the difficulties that we and our neighbors are experiencing as a result of this virus, there really is a gift in the midst of all of this, which is that there is a stripping down that is happening, a, a coming back to the essentials, and this opportunity to ask a question, what really matters? Right? What, what are we giving our energy and our time to? What is the most important thing? And as it turns out, as we continue our follow series today, and as we look at our text from Mark 12, a teacher of the law approaches Jesus with this very question. He says, of, of all the things that God has commanded, of all the things to prioritize, of all the things to give your time and energy to, which is really the most important. And I don't know about you, but I am all ears to hear what Jesus has to say in response to that question because I'm finding it hard to stay focused in this time to, to prioritize and, and, and in this battle to, to really stay focused on what's important. Like when I get up in the morning, I find myself thinking of all the, all the things to do, all of the scenarios to prepare for as a leader rather than grounding myself in the presence of God. Or at the breakfast table, I can be fixated on telling my kids, please cough somewhere else except right on my plate, you know, rather than trying to connect with their hearts as we start the day. Or when I dive into work, I find myself scrolling 
all of the updates and seeing all this bad news rather than keeping the good news of Jesus before me and my eyes fixed on that. So before I read the text for today, I just want to pause and ask uh, the Spirit for ears to hear and that we would receive what God has for us today from his word and um, that we could be really focused on what's most important. So please pray with me. Father, uh, there is a lot swirling in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. And um, I pray that, Spirit, you would enable us to hear your word this morning, uh, to focus on what really matters. Uh, may we be comforted by your presence this morning and motivated to put into practice what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Mark chapter 12. We've been walking through a chapter of Mark every week in our follow series. And as we get to Mark 12, it's good to remember that Jesus is now in Jerusalem and things are really heating up. Uh, Jesus has been saying and doing some pretty radical things like the action we saw in the temple last week. And the religious leaders are, are getting pretty upset. They're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to arrest Jesus. They want to get rid of Jesus. And so here in chapter 12, we see them coming at Jesus with all of these questions. Like, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar? Or to whom will this woman be married at the resurrection if she's had seven different marriages? And then this question, of all the commandments, which is most important? So let's read about how Jesus responds to that, starting in Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Most likely this teacher of the law already had a strong opinion about which commandment was most important. The rabbis had identified 631 commandments within the Mosaic law, and there was this long-standing debate, which one is most important, which one governs the rest, which one summarizes the whole, and so this teacher of the law is coming in curious and, and really interested in how this rabbi, how this Jesus, is going to respond. And Jesus begins his response by quoting from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Jesus picked this particular text because it was already well known to Jews as the Shema, this prayer that they would recite every morning and every evening. And so this, this text, these words, were already really deep in their spiritual bones. And what's significant about Jesus picking this text, this Shema, is that it grounds who we are and what we do in who God is and and then all that God has done. So this call to embrace the way of God, to, to, to follow the commands of God in the Shema, is rooted in who God is and what God has done for us. 
And this is a pattern in other places in Deuteronomy as well. Like a couple chapters earlier in Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 37, it says, Because God loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you up out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. And in light of that, keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today. In other words, remember who God is. Remember how much God loves you and all the things God has done for you. And may that motivate you to be someone who follows God's way, his way of love. So this teacher of the law is coming to Jesus and he's trying to figure out what's the most important thing for him to do. And what's amazing about Jesus' response is he, st is he starts with this, well, let's remember who God is. Let's remember what God has done. And Jesus is saying that there's really no way for, for you to be a person who follows God's way and who loves God and neighbor with everything you are unless you have received and experienced the contagious love of God. Um, I was asked the other day why we decided to be a donation drop-off site for uh, these essential supplies that will serve families at Ashley Park pre-K through eight, and um, you know, especially given the risk of people coming in the building and all the rest. And it's important to explain that while we are following all the best guidelines about distancing and disinfecting and, and all those protocols as we greet people, uh, but a lot of things are driving us to do this. And it's not primarily that we have a long-standing partnership with the school, uh, that we have good friendships with the faculty and staff and students, uh, it's not primarily the reality that a lot of these families depended on, on school meals to get them through the week. Um, it's not primarily how many of these families are facing economic hardships, job loss, um, other complex factors during this time. I mean, all that is true, and it's motivating our action. But the primary reason we are wanting to creatively love our neighbors in this way is because God's extravagant love and generosity is contagious and it compels us. The, the coronavirus does not hold a candle to how courageous the love of God is. And, and, and of course, while this virus is a destructive contagion in our world, the love of God is the most constructive force in the universe. But what that means is that if we haven't experienced God's love, if we haven't received God's love on a, on a personal level, then if we try to love out of our own strength, we're not gonna have enough. Like it's, we're gonna eventually burn out. And so the solution for how to make a difference in our world, whether during the coronavirus or, or any other time, is not just to try to do good things, right? To try to muster up enough strength to love people the best that we can. The solution is really to realize, wow, this is how much God loves me. And, and, and he loves me enough to have given up his life for me. And for that to sink in and change me and motivate me to live differently. That's really the, 
the solution. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at in this teaching. Because that's the pattern in Deuteronomy. That's the pattern when Jesus teaches. And then later on in, in the New Testament, as authors are reflecting on the world-changing events of Jesus' death and his resurrection and his ascension and the sending of the Spirit, it's, it's this flow from God, this is who God is, and this is how God has loved us, and this is how it changes us, and then changes the world. Um, for example, listen to how John connects how God loves us to then how we should love. This is in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, when the contagious love of God takes hold of our hearts and takes hold of our lives, then we begin spreading it through our attitudes, our actions, our priorities, our relationships. And that can happen even now in this bizarre time of social distancing. About a week ago, when the virus started to reach the state of North Carolina, I read an excellent article by Andy Crouch. It's called Love in the Time of the Coronavirus. And he explained in this beautiful way how it is love that is motivating us to, to make drastic changes for, to how we operate. Um, and it's, it's love, not fear, that is motivating us to, to cancel events and Sunday services and, and, and go virtual. Um, and toward the end of that article, Crouch talks about how we have this unprecedented chance to act redemptively in a time of, of crisis and fear. And let's be honest, I mean, it's, it's so easy during this time to act not out of love, but out of fear, out of self-protection. But the call of the church, of, of the people who have received God's love, is to, to act out of this love, not, not our own love, not something we're trying to muster up on our own strength, but out of the overflow of God's contagious love that brings restoration through sacrifice. And I think it's powerful to consider the, the difference that that can make in a time like this, and, and to think through that through the lens of how the Apostle Paul talked about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, here it is from the message paraphrase. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep scores of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, 
but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. And all of that, of course, is a beautiful description of Jesus himself, right? The incarnation of love, the ultimate example of what love should actually look like. And when we are united to Jesus in faith, that contagious love becomes ours. We, we enter into that flow and movement of God's contagious love. And that, my friends, is the most important thing. That is what Jesus is teaching in Mark 12. That is what the whole scriptures are about. And, and while I'm lamenting that, that this virus has unleashed so many difficulties and hardships, um, it is good to, to be grateful for this opportunity to, to be stripped away of, of some of the things that maybe don't matter as much and to remember and to refocus on what is really important. Uh, it is, after all, uh, still the, the season of Lent, the season that is meant for a stripping away, for a repenting and a turning from things that we're relying on besides God, for refocusing on what's most important. And to remember that everything depends on God. Everything comes from God. And, and for that to free us to love God and love others in new and fresh ways and, and to free us to continue receiving God's love and, and glory in whatever form it takes. And along those lines, I want to close today by reading a poem by a remarkable writer, David Boyle. The poem is called Lent, and it's uh, the last poem in this collection, How the Light Gets In and Other Headlong Epiphanies. And it's a poem, I think, that helps us focus on what is most important. One time I was trying to explain the concept of Lent to my young twin sons. They were four years old and perfect and hilarious and headlong and extraordinary in their genuineness. You know what I mean? Utterly unadorned, no agenda, didn't know how to lie, eager for the next minute, but thoughtful and all, already both reflective as four-year-olds go. I heard them talking one evening in their beds about their first memories, but this time we were sprawled in the grass and I said, well, Lent is a time of stripping away the usual things and getting back to bones. Some people give up wine or chocolate or dessert or television to try to remind themselves that underneath fun is love and work, sort of. You know what I mean? No, they did not. And they happily spent a while thinking of the stuff they would give up, like beets and brushing their teeth. Then one boy stood up and said, if he was going to go to Lent, he would give up clothes, which he then proceeded to do, followed by his brother. And they ran around laughing so hard they, no kidding, fell down. Something snapped awake in me. Something broke open. Sometimes there is a moment in life when something cuts through murk and muddle and advice and bombast and opinionating, something just slices through all the burble and mutter through the received and ostensible wisdom, the natter and chatter, and reminds us why we are here. We name this Satori, Epiphany, Revelation, 
Even this we have to find a label for, a handle to begin to understand it. But it's not something a word can explain or define or, or even really hint at as far as provenance or effect. It happens. And you see and hear and apprehend it and we're agape and rattled and thrilled and awed. It comes when it does. If you're lucky, it happens once and blessed if there are more than one in life. I got one that day on the lawn. Yes, I did. And every year when Lent rolls around, I remember that naked lesson, so to speak, about what really matters in this life. And now, I observe with a smile, so will you. And so may God impress on your hearts today what really matters. And may you receive and experience the contagious love of God with joy. Go in grace.